Time now for our Friday morning coffee break and delighted to welcome three well-known voices here on Limerick today over the years uh, to the studio. Great to be able to say that these days. Uh, David Fitzgerald, General Manager of Limerick's Milk Market. Dave Mahidi, so well-known through sport and education, including at UL. And Adana Flynn, who, among other things, is doing a Master's at the University of Limerick at the moment. What's that on, Adana? Uh, journalism. Oh, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> we have picked a perfect guest then. <laughs> now, uh, we're having problems with our kettle uh, at home at the moment and I uh, was trying to do various things with it. But I understand that I don't have to worry because apparently there's a new Alexa kettle now that is tied into your Alexa and will do all sorts for you, David. Yeah, it's amazing the, the technology that's in people's homes these days. Something that you would have 20 years ago thought was in a science fiction movie. But um, yeah, I suppose for some people it, it offers the convenience and the novelty effect there for them. Um, so yeah, look, I suppose technology has to be welcomed where it can come from and to each their own in, in essence as well as was there when it comes to those specific appliances. Right, but is it going to be as good a tea as warm water is it going to be up to the necessary standard if Alexa's getting involved oh it's hard to know isn't it I mean it's it, it's great the the lengths that we can go to with technology but you know just because we can does it mean we actually should this is kind of an important question as well um because it, it's a perplexing one I mean with Alexa you know it's Alexa turn on the light Alexa you know get my shopping list up um I know that in America they're very advanced with what they can do with Alexa um, but I just wonder when it comes to household appliances dealing with hot liquids, it's a little bit scary to think that this is on the horizon. Well, it is because apparently it'll go off and largely do it for you itself. You know, I mean, I don't think it's going to make the tea quite, but it'll certainly boil that kettle. Not, not retailing at 99 euro, it seems, the Alexa kettle. No, they're not making the kettle themselves. They've kind of got involved with someone who knows what they're doing about making kettles, but the tech all fits in. And as a guy here working with us, and he has been into this sort of tech for years, and I think his entire house is wired for just about everything. And I remember him talking to me about the Internet of Things before I had ever heard of it. And he was getting it into his place, you know, the way ahead of anybody else. And some of the things that he can do and could do and see, which I thought was science fiction, uh, Dave, is, is now science fact. Yeah, unfortunately, I think <laughs> not just staying no. old. Like to me, it's the end of civilization because, like, we're not even going to get up out of our seat to to make a thing. Before, you know, I uh, we used to preach, you know, walk to the shop to get your paper. Now you don't have to get out of your seat to to get a cup of tea. So. Um, that, that would send red flags up to me and saying, "Well, where are we going as a person?" And uh, mm. I'd hate to get that lazy. Yeah, and, and, you know, even the water cooler moments, I suppose you describe them as you should have known, has to go to the water cooler anymore. There won't be any moments, will there? Well, that's it. You see, it's it's uh, the knock-on effect of all this and uh, it'll send us into into our own little bubble and, and I, I, I think that's a pity. Yeah, and you'd wonder about the whole COVID experience, David, on that front, wouldn't you, as to have we learned enough lessons about isolation to try to avoid that happening as as Dave Mahidi points out Yeah look I, I, I think again speaking to my own circle of friends and people from professional setting um, most of those people appreciate the in-person contact again like today there was an option to phone in or come in and I think I wanted to be in person that's my preference anytime or even a meeting We love to have you in here guys it's fantastic <laughs> having spent two years looking at the wall 
But uh, yeah, I think most people, I, I prefer to be in an in-person meeting because there's, there's so many different things you don't pick up. And when it's a Zoom or it's remote, the social cues, the sense of getting another person's personality. And I think people are a bit more open about their opinions when they're in, in person as well. They're a little bit shielded when they're remote or it's an email even. You know, it's the context that lasts a little bit, I think, in mm-hmm. that. So I think, look, there's there's probably some people that suits them. It's their personality. They, they can kind of, you know, I don't need to meet anyone. I don't need to be to water cooler movement. Um, but I, for the vast majority of people, from my experience, we're glad to come back on site, workplace, and kind of meet, meet people and socialise again, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I we, we, I think we've learned from, from COVID how important interaction is and, you know, getting out and about it, it, we've lost two to three years of, of of our lives and we've got to make the most of it now and while there is shortcuts that's great but you, you can't beat personal interaction you can't beat like we're all sitting here now whether we're better for you to look at us than the wall is a debate but uh, you know Certainly it's great not. that we're here and we're able to nod or we're able to look at each other or you know interact um, yeah. rather than be on the end of a phone you know drinking a cup of tea and whistling with your, your feet up yeah, I mean, for younger people, Dan, like yourself, I mean, everything you went through, it must just be fantastic to be able to live normally again. It's still, I mean, look, we've we've been back to relatively normal life for a year now and it still feels like a novelty. There was just so much. I mean, my entire final year of my undergrad was online and that was that was extremely hard because there's so much to being a student. You need to be stimulated. You need to see your classmates. You need to network like for me, I, I knew I wanted to go back and study journalism. So for me, I love meeting people. I love building a network, making friends. And that was really difficult to do. You know, I was I was in a different module for every class and, and, and I'd meet people online in different semesters. And all I could think was, you know what, if this was an in-person class, I'd have tapped that person on the shoulder and asked them to go for a coffee because we just clicked and nothing would ever come of that relationship because... It was a Zoom call, you know, and, and that yes. was really rough. And even doing, you know, final year, you're doing a final year project, you're doing a thesis, it's very tough. And having no outlet and being at home all the time, it's tough. And and a lot of people had it way way worse during the, the pandemic and, and that's totally not lost on me. But when you're when you're in your own four walls, it's very difficult to envision everything else that's going on in other people's lives outside of your own. And I think... We, we definitely lost sight of that quite a bit over the couple of years where we knew where we were at with our own struggles, but we couldn't necessarily see each other and see the extent of it for other people. Um, yeah. So it's great see, to be there again. You know? you know, Somebody said to me uh, that one of the challenges of, of the new hybrid working is a scenario where when everyone was on Zoom, they were all on Zoom. But now you have the situation where some people are together in a meeting room mm-hmm. and others are Zooming in to it. And those in the meeting room, naturally enough, interact more with each other than they do oh, yeah. with the screen. Oh, immensely. I mean, my, my course is designed that way as well. It's, it's a hybrid course. You know, you have people who tune in and they have their own reasons for it. You know, the accommodation crisis has really, really affected that as well. You know, you have people tuning in to class from um, other parts of the country and they'd love to be there with us. They'd love to participate and have a student experience, but they just can't. I mean, the, the economic crisis that's going on, the crisis of living... Uh, the cost of living crisis it, it's it's a lot it's a lot for people and um you know when you look at things in isolation we can say oh the hybrid model it's a bit of a pain or i wish everybody would just come in and in person but there's so many barriers nowadays that 
you know, we're not always going to think about in those situations, you know. And Dave Mead, it's amazing. I mean, like, you remember UL all the way back in the days of Thomond College when it was you, Tony Ward, and a couple of others were the only students. And now you see it, and you, I suppose you'd never have envisaged this significant accommodation crisis around getting students on site. No, you you didn't, because um, everyone was looked after. I mean, we were all over the town at, at that stage. Um, there was only uh, hundreds rather than thousands uh, there. Um, but um, it, I suppose it went through a period of, of rapid growth, which, and you, you've got to plan that. It's no different than the government planning for houses. You know, you, you can't keep putting people into courses, into courses, into courses, and then, you know, expect them to, to sleep in their cars. Yeah, yeah, that's a reality. And of course, from the milk market's point of view, you know, it is all about physical Interaction. It's all about the atmosphere there at different times of the week, especially traditionally on a Saturday morning. Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> even going back before the pandemic, a lot of the traders would give you the feedback that um, that personal contact with their customers is so important, particularly some of the isolated, vulnerable, elderly people that might have very few interactions throughout the week. They would know the trader by name. The trader would know their order before they came up to them to be asking them questions about how's the grandkids that might be living abroad and all the other bits and pieces. And that, that means a huge amount of people. And again, it's just, you see it even with the art classes that go on there or any sort of workshop. People that come there, they just go, there's a therapeutic element to it. They go, wow, do you know, leave here, leaving a bit lighter and feeling better. Because I suppose humans, we crave contact with other people. And again, we're social animals. So we want to talk and get on with people and that kind of thing. So it is very important. Yeah. I want to talk about bus connects because there was a big announcement and briefing by the National Transport Authority this week about Limerick City and suburbs and uh, the plan to expand bus services in Limerick by 70%. It will involve, it appears, things like a separate bus corridor going into the University of Limerick. It'll require changes in our suburbs, how we operate. There's a 24-hour service that's going to run, it seems, every 15 minutes from Raheen to the city centre out to uh, UL. Uh, And also the tech around bus priorities, corridors, in essence, making it an entirely viable option. What do you think, Dave? Well, I think they should um, make it a viable option. If you're if you're trying to get cars off the road, you've got to get alternative transport. But what kills me is is the, there's a, a train line goes as far as the parkway, and it's about a mile out the road to UL. And why somebody can't put a train from U- Limerick to UL, which would benefit Limerick as well as UL, it just baffles me. There's, there's nobody with guts to, to, to go out and take on a project and say that. And it's fine doing the buses and you'll 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 get abused at night at, uh, from the from the people at twelve o'clock at night going out to, to the leafy suburbs of Castle Troy. But uh you know, it's 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 a great move, but um why why did they only do some small things when they could do something big and, and make it worthwhile is is my view. Yeah. Adana? I'd I'd kind of agree in terms of looking at the infrastructure that's already in place and how well utilised it is. I mean, it's fantastic to hear that there's going to be uh, a separate route, let's say, for for UL that goes in. And and it's fantastic for students. I mean, there's a safety element to that because, you know, taxis and uh, the, the cost of everything has gone up. So a lot of students will actually walk home through unsafe routes um, at unsafe hours and if there's a bus going it'll it'll really help with that and as you know as David said it's getting people off the road as well you know fewer cars on the road um, but I think it, it definitely just needs to be kind of reeled in a little bit and go okay 
what infrastructure is here? What are we not utilizing? What could we we be utilizing? And and how do people feel about this? You know, is it your sense that it will ultimately be cars that are squeezed here for other options? You know, cycling, pedestrianisation, trains, maybe buses. It's hard to know. I mean, I think a lot of students, if if it was safer to be a cyclist, I think a lot of people would opt to do that. If it was safer to walk and, and that th- there was a better layout, I suppose. People would choose those options as well, that the more active options. Do a lot of students have cars now? I think so. The, the, the car parks are always full around UL, so I would definitely say there's a high population of students and it's, it's kind of creating issues among students and staff because one group can't get parking and the other can't and then you're going into class or your office for half nine when you were supposed to be in at nine, so it's a little bit clustered at the moment. Um but this, I mean, uh, Bus Connect, I'd welcome it for sure. I think it's needed, but I th- I do think there needs to be background work on what we already have available and what's not being utilised mm-hmm. and updated. I mean, David, we've said for a while now, indeed, we're only talking about the revitalisation of O'Connell Street, the international rugby experience due to open in the near future, uh, the recent announcements on the Opera Centre. All of this ties into a, a really important time for Limerick, including, of course, connectivity of transport. Absolutely, yeah. Again, <clears throat> I think like, uh, like it's just been mentioned, this will be broadly welcomed. Um, the key bit there again is the university because just again speaking anecdotally and from when I was in UL myself two, in two occasions, 45 minutes into the city centre is just not acceptable. You know, it's that's for a bus and, uh, you know, the fact that it'll have a direct route out of the, the entrance will help but also how does it get in? And how does it avoid traffic? Now again, I suppose there is a chicken and egg situation where the more buses are frequent, more reliable, and up that 24-hour thing is a real game-changer because I know from people talk about nightlife in the city centre, it is a challenge because it becomes quite expensive if you're living further out towards Anacotti or further out towards uh, Mungret and things like that. Because they, they are talking <coughs> about it being cost-effective, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. And, and the bottom line is it's going to need state support, no question, really, because oh. not all the uh, routes will be viable commercially. Well, absolutely. But again, as I said, if you want to kind of encourage people to, to, to leave the car or take a car off the road, there has to be options there for them. It's all, it's all well and good having wishful thinking. But the option has to be there for everyone to, to give them that frequency, to give them that certainty. You know, again, as, as Alain just said, there's no point in turning up half an hour late for your lecture or work and the boss going, look, or your lecturer going, you're late. It, you have to be certain that you're going to get there at a certain time. So again, the infrastructure is very important there as well. But again, the, 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 the 24-hour thing is the real thing that kind of caught my eye. It's, that's amazing because that, mm. that again gives people that are working on social hours opportunity for greater employment as well as the mm. cost prohibitive. Does it have the potential to help the milk market? Um, again, 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 you know, the university particularly, there's almost like they're a world away as it is right now. You know, you look at some of the really successful continental cities in Europe and stuff like that. Uh, the universities are often in the city centre. And that's hugely important for the creativity of the city centre in terms of the vibrancy, the nightlife, everything. And the fact now that there'll be more frequent bus services and, you know, more reliable, we would hope that that there'll be a greater engagement with universities into the milk market into the future. So, yes, I think there is a great possibility there. As well, then, there's people that kind of, uh, you know, they're kind of cooped up in the suburbs. And again, hopefully that will encourage them to come into the city and engage with the city centre with the greater bus connectivity there, you know. Mm. Um, Dan, it's a year today since uh, Russia invaded Ukraine. Do you think we had any sense of the direct impact it was going to have, you know, on people's pockets locally, on 70,000 plus refugees coming in already from Ukraine, many of them here in Limerick? Oh, I don't think anybody could have foreseen this. And I think, you know, the it was a real testament to us as a people 
the people who stepped up in this country when refugees needed to be housed. And I think a year in, there has unfortunately been some controversies surrounding anti-immigration. And I think we need to just remember that while the people are here, what they've been through is very out of sight, out of mind for us. Um, a lot of them, you know, there's, there's a lot of good about this country, but they would much rather be at home if they could be. Um, you know, they've had to basically restart their lives. There's a lot of Ukrainian students in UL and in Mary I and LIT who are trying to, you know, catch up on their studies or they've had to take a completely different path altogether because they haven't been able to continue what they were doing at home. There's families that have been displaced and they're they're in separate countries. It, it, it's an unimaginable situation to be in. And I think that compassion that the Irish public had last year, I would love to see a resurgence of that and an understanding because a lot of Ukrainians who've come here, they've they've highlighted that we have a homeless crisis. They are saying, why am I getting accommodation and I'm seeing an Irish person asleep on the street? They're not to blame for that. It's it's the fault of a, of a system that's not fit for purpose and poorly utilised resources. And you can't blame a group of people who, if they had the choice, they would not be here. You know, like... Kiev was a beautiful city before the war. You know, a lot of people had moved to the city. Young people, you move to a city when you start a new job. They were crafting their lives. There's people who've been there their whole life and they don't know any different. So I just think we need to think about that again on a, on a human level because these anti-immigration protests that we're seeing have demonstrated a real loss of that sight and that thought. Dave Mead, the other thing is we probably have to get our heads around the fact we're going to be living with this for a while. You know, there was some hope maybe initially this mightn't last more than a year, but it doesn't look that way now. Oh God, no. Um I'd say it's going on for a, it'll go on for a long time. Um I think the the Putins of this world thought it was a three day event and just go in and they roll over and, and uh and we'll take over. Um which which is a big shock and fair play to the to the Ukrainian people. They they like they they have been immense. They 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 have standing up to 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 people like that. But what what I often think is how lucky we are in Ireland. We complain about various things. How lucky we are. We're living where we're living because you know you're you're next door in Syria. They're being bombed. They're being bombed in in Ukraine. We've no idea what what life is like in these places. And you see people trying to get into America from central. Uh, America and and they're queuing up and they're looking for a better life, and you know th- this is what the the Ukrainian peoples and you made a good point there by saying they don't necessarily want to be here, but you know if if your house is getting bombed and imagine if your house was getting bombed, my house yeah. was getting bombed, what do we do? I mean, there's no way that on the radar of uh, a Ukrainian uh, on the day of their birth or in their youth that they were thinking, well. I'll end up in Ireland. You know, just I mean, it wouldn't wouldn't even have computed really at that point. Anyway, listen. Thank you very much for talking. Just really enjoyed the chat. Great to have the three of you in the studio as well. Dave Mahidi, uh, David Fitzgerald, who's general manager of the Milk Market, and Edana Flynn, who's studying journalism at the University of uh, Limerick. Uh, 